the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Bill, your radio MD. I got Brian with me today. We gave Ken the day off. He was going to a reunion of some of his old radio buddies, I guess, broadcasting industry stuff. I don't know about all that. I wasn't invited, so I'm kind of hurt, Brian. Yeah, I mean, me too. I, th- I think they're going to wreak havoc, uh, those old timers, uh, when they get together. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They'll be smoking cigarettes and talking about the glory days. That's right. <laughs> And we're stuck here just, you know, talking to ourselves. We're right here in the middle, baby. Right here in the middle. That's right. So we got a good show going today. Um, first, I wanted to tell you about our Homeowners Association elections because, uh, you know, I update uh, the audience on that occasionally. So we had our annual elections, and uh, Dr. Bill stood for re-election along with uh, 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 JB and uh, KB. JB was on the board already, and then KB was the new man. JT dropped off. He's had enough. He's been beat up too much by by the mean girls in the community. <laughs> he, he can't take it. His skin's not that thick, but he's a good guy, and he works his butt off. So at any rate, we had actually gone out, and Brian, we collected uh, almost 40 proxies so that when we got into the meeting and it's a community of 62 people and you know you don't have 62 people show up for an annual meeting so i would guess we probably had maybe 50 people total that uh, that were present so we had four-fifths of the votes already in our pocket and uh, so i stood up and you know started the meeting because i'm the president and nominated myself and my two counterparts and gave a little blurb on kb uh, who's the new guy coming on. And, uh, and then I said, uh, and we have uh, 40 proxies. So if you want to nominate someone else from the floor, go ahead. But it's, it's basically, it's over. And somebody said that, why are we at a meeting? Laughing, I wasn't laughing, you know, well, that's the way it is. So we got that done. And, um, we had, uh, it, the the companies that manage our HOA or the company that manages our HOA, I guess all the big companies do this. When they have something that needs to be voted on, if it's something that goes across all of their communities, they just send out a, a kind of a stock uh, uh, voting uh, proxy. And so three of the four things on the on the list weren't even relevant. One was already in our bylaws. Two were were for. Uh, what we call 718 communities, which are condominium associations. They have a a little separate uh, set of laws according to the state statutes than we do. We're 720, Chapter 720 for HOA. So uh, a little bit different, but uh, basically the annual meeting, the meat of it lasted 5, 10, 15 minutes. (laughs) It was over. It was over before it started. 
It was yeah, it was great. You know, there was no fighting. The Mean Girls didn't show up for the most part, and uh, we didn't have a whole lot of uh, uproar. And that that was the best part. I did not want it to turn into a slugfest, a floor fighting, with accusations going and all that. It was just not worth it. So that's what happened with the HOA. And so far, I haven't had anybody throw anything at me or shoot me or. But we did have an armed guard there, just in case. <laughs> oh, you got you got to be careful there, Doc. You know there have been there there have been uh, board members in Florida shot over board issues. Really, 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 really. Wow, unbelievable. Uh, it, it, some people are just so emotional. We've got one one guy in the community that he'll charge at you and start yelling and screaming and. Uh, he called the cops on me because I was uh, I was putting uh, algaecide into our ponds. We were having some problems with the company that was supposed to be taking care of the ponds. We ended up firing them. So I went out and bought algaecide, and I'm out there spraying it and raking the, uh, the, the algae off the top. And he actually called the cops. He called the city. He called the county. He called uh, uh, the Environmental Protection Agency because he's, he said that, I was using this illegally. I wasn't allowed to use it. I didn't have a license. Well, actually, I do all the research before I do any of this, uh, Brian. I, I actually go to the websites and see what is legal and what is not legal in Florida and with the EPA and uh, everybody else. And so I, I make sure my bases are all covered. And uh, when we painted the fire hydrants blue, he called the city and they came out and said, oh, no, they have to be yellow. Well, actually, it depends on what the volume of, of uh, water coming out of them is. Did you know that, that there's different volumes of water coming out of out of fire hydrants depending on uh, where you are and what the needs are? So like for a high-rise building, there's going to be a higher volume, higher pressure going through those lines to the fire hydrants, and they're painted a different color, or at least according to the national safety standards. They're supposed to be painted a different color. At any rate, so we had to go back and paint the fire hydrants yellow after we had just painted them blue. <laughs> so go figure. I thought all fire hydrants were red. I mean, that's what I remember growing up as a kid. You just associate red with fire hydrants. Yeah. Who knew? At any rate, that's the story with the community. And, uh, oh, my God, you wouldn't believe it, Brian. One woman wrote this letter, uh, and she she didn't sign it. And one of her complaints was there was no transparency with the board. <laughs> we <laughs> laughed about that. And she said, I shouldn't be on staff at a hospital because of my bad behavior and this and that. And I'm like, oh, my God. Oh, people, wow. People are crazy. People and their personalities, Doc. What are you going to do? No, you just you roll with it. You, you be a duck. You let it roll off your back. You thicken up that skin. That's right. So, you know, this week in the hospital, I've had three admissions with people with uh, uh, dizziness, vertigo. You know what vertigo is? Yeah, yeah, I think so. That's that's kind of where, like, you lose your, like, your equilibrium. You don't know if you're up or down, right? Yeah, the room spins around, and you have a hard time standing up. We call it benign paroxysmal positional vertigo, and uh, this was first described in the 1920s, and then uh, a couple of guys in the 1950s, Dix and Hall Pike, two doctors, they figured out a way to uh, test for it in the office. And you can do this at home, too. Um, if you're feeling dizzy, uh, you turn your head 45 degrees uh, one way. And then 
slowly go from sitting to lying on your back and wait about 20 or 30 seconds and see if you're if you're having the symptoms. And then if you're not, you can sit up and go to the other side because uh, what causes this is the vestibular apparatus in the middle ear or in the inner ear, rather, that's in the bony part of the brain or the skull that has to do with the hearing organ as well. So the, the vestibular and the cochlear organ, the vestibular is the organ of balance, cochlear is the hearing organ, and they're, they're uh, they're basically their roommates and they, they share the same space inside the skull and they send their nerves together out to the brain. So at any rate, the vestibular apparatus are three hollow bones that are oriented uh, 90 degrees away from each other in space. So you have a three-dimensional uh, uh, arrangement and these things are filled with fluid, with the brain fluid and the cells inside of the, of the bony uh, organs are actually nerve cells that are specialized and they have little hair uh, projections, little, little cilia we call them sticking out. And uh, so what happens is when you move your head one way or another, it stimulates the nerve cells by rocking the fluids back and forth. And uh, that's what tells you where your head is position-wise in space and helps you keep your balance and stay upright. So we know that there are small concretions, little stones that can form as we get older inside of those canals, and then they can rock around and, and uh, stimulate the nerve cells abnormally and make you feel dizzy and uh, make the room spin around and make it so you can't even stand up. Now we have some uh, maneuvers that we can do uh, called Epley's maneuvers that you can do at home to try to get the stones to move out and and uh, get reabsorbed back into the uh, into the fluid in the in the spinal cord and around the brain. Get those things out of there. We also use uh, medications like meclizine, which is an antihistamine that is uh, fairly specific for the part of the brain that has to do with your sense of uh, orientation in space. So what happens is you get these abnormal pulses, electrical nerve pulses being sent from that uh, vestibular apparatus to the part of the brain that tells you where you are in space and whether or not you're standing upright and whether your head is tilted forward or back or left or right. And uh, so we have to cool that down. Uh, there are some other things that we can do besides the uh, physical therapy movements and medications, but uh, uh, they're pretty drastic. If you have a really bad case, you can have surgery, but it's risky. And uh, you know, when you open those bones up, that's, that, that's a big deal. Uh, whether or not they heal back right is the problem. And there's a, there's actually a, a, an inherited disorder where one of the bones is not roofed properly. It's unroofed. And so uh, these people have problems with, uh, with uh, vertigo, with sound. Uh, they probably have some other brain deficits. And uh, it, it's a big deal. It's a very, uh, very disabling. So... Yeah, I've noticed with me sometimes if I stand up too quickly, I will um, get a little lightheaded, but it goes away after a few seconds. But I can imagine if that's going on, you know, every day, every minute, that's really got to be be something to deal with. Oh, it's really it's very debilitating uh, if you have a bad case of it. And uh, are you on blood pressure medicine, Brian? No, uh, not currently. 
the uh, the thing that I see, especially with older people, is because our pressure, uh, our ability to squeeze the blood vessels when we stand up, which is what the normal response is, that, that way you keep the blood up into the center of the body and the heart so it can pump to the brain. As we get older, we lose that that ability, that that tone inside of our blood vessels and the blood will pool in our pelvis and in our legs and then you don't have enough blood to get to your brain and you get dizzy and especially if you have older people who are on high blood pressure so what i see a lot is people coming in with blood pressures of 170 180 uh, but the bottom number is like 80 which is normal and so then we're supposed to treat the the systolic the top number of high blood pressure and try and get that down to lower your risk of heart attack and stroke and other things but when we do that, um, we can exacerbate, we can make that that uh, abnormal relaxation of the blood vessels, dilating them even more. So when you stand up, you drop your blood pressure below what it should be, and you're not perfusing your brain, and you get weak and dizzy. But that's not the same as vertigo. That's That's what we call orthostasis. Ortho is upright, and static means... You ain't, you ain't getting the blood up there. So that's a whole different syndrome. At any rate, if you want to check and see if you do have vertigo, you can do the uh, the Dix-Hall-Pike maneuver. Again, sit up, turn your head 45 degrees, slowly lay back, lay down, wait 20 or 30 seconds, and see if you have that sensation. If not, sit up and do it on the other side. And uh, what happens is you'll lateralize it to the side that because you have two two of those organs, one on the left and one on the right with each ear. So you can figure out which side is the bad boy side. Then you can take a you can you can take a chopstick and chop your ear out. <laughs> That's one way to fix it. Yeah. So we call it geotropic nystagmus. Geotrope means spinning around, you know, like the planet Earth. And <laughs> It's uh, and, and you can actually see uh, abnormal eye movement. We call it nystagmus, uh, where the eyes are going quickly uh, one way and then back, back and forth, back and forth. And they can go, you know, like 30, 40 times a minute, 50 times a minute. So we see that and that's part of the syndrome. Interesting. But, you know, it's 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 really kind of uh, uh problematic not only for the patient but you think about the 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 amount of uh, money and resources that are spent treating these people in the hospital you know we don't know if they're having a stroke or what so we admit them and work them up and you do all these expensive tests like mris of the brain and uh, you're pretty sure it's it's vertigo but you have to make sure, and we do ultrasounds of the heart to make sure there's no clots that are flying off into the brain. And so it, it, it's, a, it's a real sap on the resources of the healthcare system to uh, take care of these folks. Yeah, I can imagine. I remember hearing a story years ago, there was a, a diver, I think he was an Olympic diver, and he had vertigo, and he had to stop diving for a while because he couldn't you know, keep his balance. He's you know, 20, 30 feet in the air trying to dive, and, and he couldn't you know, stabilize himself. So, it, you know, it, it, it impacted, you know, his, his career as a diver. Oh yeah, that's hard. I mean, you, you, you cannot um, be a scuba diver and have bad vertigo. It just doesn't work. 
So that's a problem. That is problematic. And uh, and I know because I was a scuba diver, but my, my migraine headaches got the best of me. So uh, the pressure changes started to trigger them and, and I uh, decided not to do that anymore. Did you ever uh, go anywhere interesting when you were scuba diving? Well, yeah, I went interesting places. I've, I've been to uh, Grand Caymans, Turks and Caicos, uh, the Florida Keys, um, gosh, where else? In the, a couple other places in the Caribbean, uh, Dove and uh, some of the some of the uh, freshwater springs here, the uh, the uh, springs like uh, uh, Rainbow, and uh, there's one up about an hour and a half, two hours north of here, I forget the name of it, and it's been uh, impregnated with uh, tannic acid. So once you get about four or five feet down, it's it's pitch black, you cannot see. And so when I did my deep diving uh, course and my certification, we went up there and uh, you, it's, it's about 100, 110 foot deep uh, uh, spring. And so you can get your, your deep diving certification that way. And so we went down and you, there's a rope and you go down on the rope so you don't get lost and you hang with your instructor. And we got down to the bottom. And the only way we could see each other was because we had our flashlights. And I started to feel funny. And I told my instructor I wanted to go up, you know, gave him the sign language. When you go down, what you have to do is you've got two tanks and you have to be able to take them on, take them off. You have to be able to switch from one tank to the other um, you know, they pull your mask off. You have to put it back on and clear your mask. D just basically do things that uh, would be necessary if you were in a crisis at that depth, because you can't just pop up or you'll end up uh, with the bends. So at any rate, we came up, and this is pretty interesting, Brian, and we sat there and talked, and I said, is this oxygen toxicity? Because at that depth, the pressure increases the amount of oxygen and nitrogen that goes into your system and oxygen narcosis is uh, a little less common but still i thought that might be one of the things and he questioned me and he said no that's not oxygen that's nitrogen narcosis i said well what do you do he said you just ignore it it's just like having a glass of whiskey <laughs> you, just, you keep going <laughs> you gotta power through yeah you so we went back down and i ignored it and i was fine you know it was a fascinating to go that deep. Um, I never used it after that, but at least I have that certification. Another thing, another notch in my belt. You, you do know. it all, Doc. You do it all. Yeah, you got to. Yeah, uh, it was like, uh, who was it? Was it Jacques Cousteau? I mean, I think it might have been him. He had one of those special machines that he would he would get in to go even deeper to where, like, you couldn't, you know, go that deep on the tanks, I guess. But he really wanted to go deep down there. Yeah, well, he had a what do they call him a bath escape in those days? So they were they were remote, or they were remotely operated, or they were operated by humans. And and I don't know if you're old enough to remember when uh, when the bath escape went down into the uh, Marianas Trench, uh, the Trieste it was called, and they actually used uh, uh, gasoline as their ballast. So when they wanted to go deeper. They'd compress the gasoline, and then when they wanted to come back up, they decompress the gasoline. And of course, gasoline is lighter than water, so they'd come back up. And they went down to the bottom of the Marianas Trench, which is what thirty-five thousand feet or something like that. And that was the first time anybody had gone that deep, and uh, it was really a, a, a remarkable feat. And that was back in the '60s. 
That was a little bit before your time. A little bit before my time, but I'm fascinated with that kind of stuff. I love watching all the nature shows, and especially when they do the the stuff in the seas, because I don't know if it's just growing up in Florida or or what, but I just I have you know just this love for you know sea life, and so it's really cool you know when you can see that stuff on TV because I can't do it myself, but I I'll watch it all day if I if it's on. Well, you should uh, you should get yourself uh, one of those vehicles and go down. There's a guy that was making them and selling them to to private citizens. I don't know how deep you could go with it, but at least you could go down and you know 100 200 feet and look around. So now we can go all the way down down 200 feet, or we can go all the way up to the moon with Elon. What's your choice? Um, I'm waiting for the Mars trip. I'm, yeah. The moon. I'm bored with the moon. There's not. It's just a bunch of dust and and rocks, and uh, I'm sure there's plenty of ore up there. You know, there's helium in the in the uh, dust on the surface of the moon. Did you know that? No, no. There's, there's helium trapped in there, and one of the reasons that there's so much commercial interest in getting back to the moon is to mine the helium because the helium is uh, the. I think it's H3 is what they use for uh, uh, fusion reactions. So. They still have a shortage of that, or was they had a shortage uh, last year, right? Yeah, well, you know, the only place on Earth that has helium is the United States. At least it used to be that way. Maybe they discovered it somewhere else, but we were the only supplier of helium, and uh, that's why the uh, the Germans used hydrogen gas in their dirigibles, you know, in their hot air balloons, and uh, <clears throat> uh, the Hindenburg, as you recall, blew up about a yeah. hundred years ago. And uh, hydrogen is very, you know, it's very explosive, very reactive with oxygen. So you get hydrogen and you get oxygen and you light a match and kaboom. Not a good combination. So, but they, but we wouldn't sell them the helium. So they had to use hydrogen. Wow. Now I think they've got a few hot air balloons or not hot air, but uh, helium balloons back up dirigibles. You know, the, the, the shots from way up, uh, at least until recent years, for football games and events, those were from dirigibles, you know, the Goodyear blimp. You okay, that? yeah. Mm-hmm. Now they probably use drones, but I don't know. Yeah, drones are everywhere, and I would imagine that, that, that it's probably just maybe for advertising now if they have the blimp, which always makes me laugh when they have a, a stadium that's that's a dome stadium, but then they show the blimp outside. <laughs> what good. are you watching advertising that's right they got to get their plugs speaking of drones uh apparently the ukrainians have gotten their hands on some uh western drones now and they blew up uh, an oil depot in the crimea which got the russians all in a in a snit and uh you know, the Russians are threatening the Poles, too, because the Poles shut down in, in Warsaw, the capital of Poland. They shut down a Russian school uh, that the embassy had set up for the kids of the of the uh, of the diplomats and, and the worker bees from Russia. And so the Russians are saying, well, we're going to retaliate. We're going to get you. And we'll see what happens. I, I don't think they're stupid enough to invade Poland, but if they do then we got World War III going on because they're part of NATO. And as you know, that'll trigger what Article 4 or Article 5, I forget which one, I think it's Article 5, which says that if one NATO country is attacked, all the NATO countries have to come to their aid. Yeah, it's such a volatile situation over there. I don't know what, you know, what they think they're, you know, they're going to achieve out of this, but it's, it's just seems like it's not going to end for a while here. 
No, it's not. And this isn't just uh, the communist or the the latest regime, which is a, basically a fascist regime where they have one party, one strong man at the top, but you can have free enterprise as long as it's what the state wants. Uh, but the, the Russians for hundreds and hundreds of years have been trying to get control of the Black Sea. And they at one time had conquered all the way down to uh, and into part of Turkey. Uh, but uh, then they, they got beat back over the centuries. You know, they've taken over Poland and the Ukraine, and then Poland and Ukraine have gotten free. Poland had a, an empire for a little while, the Ukrainians. Everybody's had their shot at it, but the Russians are the big boy there. <clears throat> they, like, they like real estate. They really do. <laughs> they, but you, you can understand the Black Sea, you know, the Crimea, it's a, it's a warm water port. And they don't have much of that. They've got St. Petersburg, which is a warm water port, but it's a very small uh, area uh, on the uh, Baltic. And then the rest of their ports are all on the northern side in, in, the, um, in the Arctic Sea. So they've got a problem getting their, their goods shipped out. On the west coast, you've got Vladivostok, but that's pretty far north, too. That's in the Pacific. So they've always wanted the Black Sea and control over it. And that's that's basically what they're after. They want the control of the Black Sea and the countries that touch the Black Sea. And one of them is uh, the Ukraine. So it's it's a big problem. Did you know that the Silk Road ended, you know, the Sea of Azov, which is uh, the little branch off the Black Sea on the northeast side of it, that that's where the Silk Road ended? Oh, wow. The Silk Road ran from there all the way to uh, Xi'an, China, which is uh, in north central China, about 100 miles south of, of the Gobi Desert. And that was the first uh, capital of a united China 2,500 years ago. Neat city. We were there. At any rate, so the, the Silk Road goods would go from China through Xi'an um, all the way through Central Asia. And then they would end up over in, in uh in, in the Black Sea area, and uh, the ships would come and pick up the stuff and, and bring it to Europe. And, and the Venetians were big traders when they were in their heyday. So they'd go pick it up. And well, guess what else they picked up while they were there? What's that, Doc? The Black Plague. Whoa. <laughs> so that's where it came from. <laughs> oh, look out. <clears throat> Brought that back to Europe. Well, back, Doc. Back to Southern Europe. Doc, I'm looking at the clock here. I think it might be time for a question. Well, give this one. You want to do it or you want me to? Well, I got one, but if you got one, go ahead. Oh, you go ahead. All right. Well, if you've been listening to the show here, Doc saw patients earlier this week with what condition? He saw three patients, and they all had the same condition. If you know what that is, you could win a Dr. Bill MD radio mug. And all you got to do is call us, 877-969-8600. Be the first caller. Again, Doc saw patients earlier this week with what condition? And by the way, it's two mugs, Brian, not just one. Oh, we got two mugs for you. Okay. You got two mugs, one for you and one for your significant other or your dog or your cat. All whatever. right. And don't forget, we're at 727-384-6411. Your full service clinic. We also have telemedicine 
And I did a lot of telemedicine this week, so that that's still hot. We'll see what happens when the pandemic is officially declared over, whether Medicare will pay for that or not. But at any rate, we got that, and we'll be right back. I'm Dr. Bill. I got Brian by my side. We're doing a radio show. Here's the latest from the Answer News Center. With SRN News, I'm Michael Harrington in Washington. The competition between Donald Trump and Ron DeSantis is intensifying as the former president is scheduling a return trip to Iowa on the same day the Florida governor is to be there. The state kicks off the Republican contest for the White House. DeSantis is slated to headline Iowa Republican Randy Feenstra's annual summer fundraiser in the northwest part of the state on May 13th. Former President Trump says he will be in Des Moines on the same day. Authorities widening the search area for a man suspected of killing five of his neighbors near Houston on Friday night. 38-year-old Francisco Oropesa could be as much as 20 miles away from the scene of the crime, authorities say. And the Fed is blaming last month's collapse of banks on poor management, watered-down regulations, and lax oversight by its own staffers. Says everybody has to do better. This is SRN News. Let's see. AM860, The Answer. Listen on our website, theanswertampa.com. 93.7 FM. W229DJ Dunedin. By downloading The Answer Tampa app or on TuneIn or Odyssey. Dr. Bill for Bay Area Medical. Located at 6399 38th Avenue North in St. Pete. 727-384-6411. 727-384-6411. Full service clinic with x-ray, heart imaging, ultrasound, stress testing, and minor surgery. We provide quality health care in a warm and friendly atmosphere. We are multilingual, well-trained, and certified. Most American insurance and new patients accepted. Bay Area Medical, home of CanCare, 727-384-6411, 727-384-6411. Dr. Bill here. With social distancing and sheltering in place, telemedicine is here. Bay Area Medical, home of CanCare Clinic, offers telemedicine for new and established patients. You can see me without an in-office visit. Schedule an appointment at 727 384 When it's time for your appointment, type this web address into your cell phone or computer web browser, doxy.me forward slash Bay Area Med. A cell phone works well and is all you really need. For computers, you need a web camera and speakers. We'll give you this address when you call for your appointment. We accept most insurances and travel insurances. Canadians and visitors, please call your travel insurance company for an authorization number prior to the visit. Co-pays and deductibles apply. Self-pay rates are available. Just ask. We accept credit cards, PayPal, and Stripe. 727-384-6411. 727-384-6411. Dr. Bill here. My friends at St. Pete MRI and Sleep Diagnostics are your best choice for state-of-the-art MRI, CT, and sleep studies. Quality unsurpassed. 25 years experience makes St. Pete MRI my go-to imaging center. Self-pay rates are competitive and out-of-pocket cost a fraction of a hospital. Conveniently accessible from both sides of the bay at 750 94th Avenue North, St. Pete, near the Gandhi, 727-577-2220, 727-577-2220. The latest from AccuWeather at the top and bottom of the hour, only on AM860, The Answer. Today we'll have a shower in the air early morning. It'll be windy with clouds and sunshine and a high 80. 
Tonight, mainly clear, low 69. Tomorrow, abundant sunshine, the high of 83. Tomorrow night, clear skies and a low 70. On Tuesday, beautiful with plenty of sunshine and a high 83. Wednesday, mostly sunny and nice with a high 83. That's your Accurate the Forecast. I'm Garrett Bank for AM860, The Answer. Power. Realize your power. Finding out myself. Finding out myself. Power. I'm back. This is Dr. Bill. I got Brian by my side today. We gave Ken the day off. Dang. Are we going to dock him? I think we should. Yeah, we should. We should. <laughs> Put it on his permanent record. Yeah, well, yeah. Let's put it. We'll drop it in his file. Playing the hooky on me. That's right. Well, we got a winner, Doc. Who we got? We got Timothy Williams in Tampa, and Timothy, you'll get uh, two as the Doc correct me earlier. Two Doctor Bill Radio MD mugs. So congratulations, Tim. Thank you for uh, joining us and listening. And congratulations. By the way, um, I forgot to mail the. Uh, I didn't forget. I've been so busy this week that I didn't mail last week's winners out. But I'll get that out to you too. Um, in fact, I'll do that today when I'm at the office. How about that? So, Brian, make sure you you uh, text me the um, address and all that on, on Timothy Williams so that I can get that out to him as well. Will do. All right. So, uh, sign of the times, Justice Alito, Samuel Alito, was supposed to speak recently at uh, – uh, the uh, at a conference at the law, to the law students at George Mason University in Arlington, Virginia. But uh, when everybody showed up, he wasn't there. So he was on Zoom. He was Zoomed in, and uh, he's only seven miles away from there when he, you know, the Supreme Court's only a, a stone throw from George Mason University. George Mason was the one of the founding fathers who was sort of in the background, and uh, he actually was the father, we call him the father of the Bill of Rights. So one of the things that uh, Virginia demanded uh, if they were going to sign the Constitution uh, and uh, bring the new federation into existence was that Congress would uh, quickly put together and uh, send out the first 12 uh, Bill of Rights or the first 12 amendments to the Constitution and the first 10 or what we call the Bill of Rights. And this was largely George Mason's doing along with, you know, he had input from everybody else. But at any rate, Alito was speaking uh, closed circuit to the room and he said, this is a sign of the times. And uh, you know why he's doing that? Why is that, Doc? These justices are being threatened and, you know, you know they're afraid they're going to be assassinated. And he he said that he used to be able to travel relatively freely, and now he has to go in an armored car like the president, and he's got uh, uh, federal marshals that are his bodyguards. And you remember when the uh, when the uh, to-do broke out over uh, the Roe versus Wade being yeah, repealed? Yeah, And there were people outside of some of the justices' homes, and I forget, I think it was Kavanaugh, that there was a guy outside with a gun. It was. Yeah, it was Kavanaugh. He he couldn't leave his house because there was someone outside threatening to shoot him. Yeah. And uh, they actually arrested the guy and uh, he was charged with a federal crime of attempted murder, which that's, you know, in the federal system that you're, you're going to be in prison until you're, you're an old man. And uh, that's a big deal. So these guys are all scared now and all the controversy and it's things have gotten so out of hand. Uh, I just it's hard to believe We've had six federal just judges uh, assassinated 
uh, over the past couple of hundred years. And I, I think that probably the most notorious is you remember that guy named Moody who mailed a, a bomb to uh, one of the federal district judges in Alabama a few years ago? Yeah, I think I remember hearing about that. Yeah, and he also mailed one to a, uh, an attorney who was a civil, black attorney who was a civil rights advocate and I think in Savannah, Georgia. And um, I, I don't know why he was mad at the judge. I guess he had a bad ruling when he went before him. At any rate, he, he killed that judge with a bomb. Wow. So so these guys are worried, and I, I don't blame them. And, no, how could you? There's so much, you know, you never know what people are going to do out there, and, and they're, they're doing such, you know, big things that it's going to rub somebody the wrong way. And the, the other thing is that the law students themselves, the liberal law students, they yell and scream, and they shut down anybody who's trying to speak at a, uh, that's conservative – and they did the same thing when he was on the Zoom. They were yelling and screaming, so could you couldn't even hear him. Uh, and these are law students. These are the people that are going to be the future lawyers of the world. And uh, our a lot of our politicians are lawyers. Uh, bureaucrats are lawyers. You know, there's a lot of uh, legal people in our governmental system. And is this a good thing? I don't think so. I don't think so. Somebody's got to do something about this. Now, as you know. If it's a public college, then free speech uh, applies. But if it's a private college, like George Mason, you don't have a right to free speech. And the uh, the uh, the administration can shut it down if they want. But that the problem is, is that they're afraid of the repercussions. So you know, they, they you know the dean doesn't want them storming into his office. Let them pick on Alito. Wow. Yeah, taking the easy way out there. Yeah, you know, they don't want to uh, alienate their student body because that's who's paying the bill. Yeah, of course. And uh, it's a real it's a real conundrum. I don't know how we're going to resolve this uh, without standing up and, and, you know, doing the doing the uh, uh, doing the militant thing of saying, no, you can't and putting the guards out there and calling in the uh, National Guard and all that. I mean, there's just no way you're going to put an end to this. I guess that the uh, that the people in power think that it'll probably burn itself out like the youth movement of the 60s did, you know, when, when we started to grow up and realize that uh, destroying uh, our, our country was not a good way to get ahead. You know, <laughs> if you don't have a country to get ahead in, uh, then all of a sudden we became conservatives and came back into the fold. But uh, I, I hope that that's the case. It looks like it's a different time in history to me. I don't think we've seen anything like this before, and it's it's a little bit disconcerting. Yeah, times are changing for sure. And uh, you know, Alito, who felt I'm sure felt that he was a citizen and that he had uh, the rights to move around and enjoy his life and go out to eat dinner and all that, uh, has now been infringed upon. But uh, I don't know what you do. I mean, you got to self-preservation is the first law, my friend. If you don't get that one down, the rest of the day is pretty well shot. <sighs> so the banking mess, it's kind of quietly rumbling in the background, you know. And you know, the problem there, Brian, is that uh, these banks invested in longer term treasury bills that were paying 
you know, 1% or 1.5%, and all of a sudden, uh, the Federal Reserve started jacking up the interest rates, which means that the TED bills were now paying 3 and 4% and 5%. And uh, so people who had their money in money market accounts in these banks were like, well, why should I leave it in here? I can go down the street to Wells Fargo or, or Chase, and I can get 3, 3%. I can get three times the amount. We did that with our HOA money, by the way. Uh, we took it out of uh, a low-paying money market account, and we bought some short-term T-bills, and then we keep enough in, in cash so that we can take care of our current operating expenses. So we've tripled our income from our, our money, which is $350,000, which is, uh, you know, it, it's not a huge sum of money, but for a homeowners association, we need every little bit we can get. Yeah, of course. Are, yeah. So then these banks that are stuck with these uh, with these uh, five-year T-bills that aren't paying much, they can sell them, but of course they're going to sell them at a loss because nobody's going to pay. You know, they'll, they they what they do is they discount these. So let's say you buy it for $100 and uh, the statisticians sit down and do the math and they say, well, with current interest rates at 4%, and this is paying 1%, this thing's only worth $60. So then if you want to sell that T-bill, that's what you get. So then you have another loss on your books. And of course, if you lose uh, depositors, then you can't make loans. And how do you think banks make money? They loan money. So if they don't have the money to loan, they can't make the loan. <laughs> so their, their business shrinks. They have to contract their their uh, banks or like uh, the uh, Silicon Valley Bank uh, and Republic, they go under. And uh, that that's a big problem. That's a big problem. Yeah, I think it was that bank um, just uh, you know Thursday or Friday. I think they were saying that. Uh, well, and it's what you figured. Well, it was uh, the problem was it was managed poorly and they didn't have regulations. And it's like, well, sure, if you're not doing the right things and following the rules, you're going to fail. Well, their risk management was poor. You know, the, I don't know that they were uh, not following the regulations. They just weren't looking at how things should work. And we probably need some stronger regulations for these banks so that there's a risk manager that is a government appointed guy that goes around and makes sure that the risk managers at these little small to medium sized banks are doing the right thing. The bigger banks, of course, they've got more money. They've got um, more oversight. Uh, internally, and uh, they force, uh, you know, the board of directors will force the 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 managers of the bank to do the right thing. So you don't think we're on the verge of another bailout for some of these banks, do you? Well, I think that uh, Joe doesn't have any problem printing up money, so there should be plenty. <laughs> <laughs> Joe bucks. <laughs> oh, but. Now, you know, they probably won't be worth a continental dam in a few years, but right now the dollar's still holding up pretty high. Um, why? Because it is the safest security, the safest uh, currency in the world, and it still is the world's currency, even though uh, the Chinese want to make the yuan the world currency. They can trade in yuans, but they don't have a Federal Reserve like we do. They don't have the uh, track record that we do. They don't have the trust that we do. And, you know, the backbone of any economy is faith. If you don't have faith in the dollar, then it's not worth anything. So because, I mean, you look at a dollar, it's just a piece of paper. But what you have faith in is that uh, if you get paid for your services as a radio uh, announcer, 
that someone else will take those dollars and uh, sell you something, believing that you've actually done something to earn that. And that's how it works. You know, it, it, it's just a big circle. And some people know how to grab a little bit more than others. But basically, the money just goes in circles. Yeah, that's right. I mean, so many countries look to us, you know, and they get they base their their currency off of our currency, right? Oh yeah, oh yeah, a lot of countries, and uh, most of the world trade is in dollars. Even in, when we were in Germany, we went into a little bodega to get something. The guy spoke a little English, and uh, I said, "Here's my American Express card," and he said, "Have you got cash?" I said, "I only got dollars." He says, "I'll take dollars." This is in northern Germany. <laughs> I've heard that though internationally that, that they that they want the U.S. currency. They'd rather have that than like you convert it and get their own. You got it, and uh, it's it's fascinating, really, to to see how the world works. And so many Americans who have not traveled have no idea. My sisters, they are so ignorant, and they think the world hates us. And I'm like, are you kidding? Everybody wants to speak American English. Everybody wants American dollars. Everybody wants American. Uh, junk food and uh, Christmas is everywhere. They celebrate Christmas all over the world because of the Western world and mainly the United States uh, uh, commercializing it. That's fascinating to see the world and how it actually works when you get out there. Yeah, yeah, it really is. Everyone has their own little, um, you know, separate cultures. But then, like you said, with Christmas, it's it takes over the whole the whole globe. Well, I mean, even you, you go to Korea and uh, they want T-shirts that say USA. You know, they're they're looking for stuff that has the United States on it and American flags and all that. And you know, their their pop culture is based on ours, uh, the K-pop, and which are really talented groups. Uh, they're really, really very. Uh, adept and accomplished uh, young groups of singers and dancers, but uh, a lot of it's based on uh, the American rock scene. And that's what people like. They like the jazz. They like the rock. They like the movies. They, they you know, they love it all. And now, the, of course, the Koreans are now taking over the uh, movie market. They've got the uh, Asian market. They, they're pumping those movies out like crazy. My wife has a Korean movie on every single day. She's got another one on. Well, I'm seeing a lot of those come to Netflix now. A lot of the Korean yep. or Asian, um, you yep. know, countries are putting a lot on Netflix now. Yeah, and you know, she'll go get her nails done, and the the Vietnamese girls are like, "Oh, we saw this on YouTube, or we saw this on Facebook, and we, you know, we love this show." And did you see this movie? And made in Korea, and uh, they all know kimchi, and you know, they know all the all the catchwords in Korea now, and. It's 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 fascinating to see. Yeah, it really is. It really is. So, um, did you see where Tucker Carlson got the boot? I did. And apparently, uh, he was in the middle of this Dominion case, offering his opinions, which were unpopular. The Dominion company was the one that uh, had the voting systems that they leased out or sold to states and. And uh, that uh, the uh, the Trump the, the Trumpites said uh, had cheated on the election, and I guess some of the Fox News announcers uh, echoed that, and uh, so Dominion sued Fox, and I think Fox settled for like six or seven hundred million out of court, without admitting any wrongdoing, 
And I don't think this company's worth but about $250 million. <laughs> so they, they made out like a thief. And I guess they're suing about five or six other entities as well. At any rate, Tucker Carlson, he kind of hinted that he thought that they were cheating. And then um, he also was criticizing the uh, the hierarchy at, uh, at Fox News. And then I guess they had hired uh, a Jewish woman named, what was her name? She, at any rate, was brought in to be in the in the administrative side of his show, and she complained, Grossberg is her name, uh, and she complained and filed a lawsuit against Tucker Carlson and Fox because she said that they, that his show and his staff were sexist and racist and that they discriminated against her because she was Jewish and a, and a female. And uh, of course, Fox is saying this is all nonsense, but then Tucker Carlson was criticizing uh, the hierarchy for even hiring her and got himself in more hot water. And so I guess they gave him the boot and that was it. And he was making 15 to $20 million a year. Well, he was the number one guy over there. I mean, I think his show was number one. He had the biggest following, but yeah, I mean, I think he was at odds, you know, they had, you know, with the network himself personally, they, they were at odds about things. And, and, uh, so yeah, I guess it was just, you know, they, for some reason, they decided to let him go. Oh, yeah. And uh, I guess the uh, the woman, she worked as a talent booker for Carlson before Fox placed her on administrative leave. And one of her complaints was that the staff had blown up a picture of Nancy Pelosi in a bathing suit and hung it all around the office. Oh, wow. <laughs> and they were making fun of her appearance. And so, uh, <clears throat> you know, I, I guess that can get some women pretty upset they don't like that and you got to be careful with that kind of stuff don't say anything negative you're liable to get punched in the old face uh-oh look out <laughs> unless, be careful doc <laughs> unless it's a jewish woman then they'll just sue you they won't hit you they'll sue you so i'd, I'd rather have the the punch in the face tell you the truth that seems easier right yeah so he's gone and Who's taking over that slot? I don't know. I think I heard they're just going to have some rotating hosts in there till they till they find out who they want to put in the spot. I mean, that's a big big shoes to fill. Oh, big shoes to fill, big big. And you got to wonder what where he's going to go next because I mean, obviously he's he he'll be in demand, but who can afford him? Well, he'll he'll have to uh, carve his own little niche, and uh, you know, I guess serious. XM took on Bill O'Reilly and some other people. And they say they actually do better, but I don't believe that. I think that's just baloney. I don't see how you can do better on Sirius XM. But I'm, I'm, then again, I don't know a whole lot about that platform. But it seems to me to be a very limited audience. Well, I mean, it just depends. I mean, a lot of people have Sirius in their car. So, I mean, it's like anything else, though, Doc. I mean, people will go to where you are. They'll follow you if you have a big enough following. You know, even if you're broadcasting you know, out of your house like you, Doc, you got a big enough following. They're going to come to see you. That's good. I'm glad to hear that. I hope you're right, Brian. Well, at least somebody called in and answered the question today, so that made me feel better. That's right. And we so got Tim. It's not just you and me. We've got a couple other people. That's right. <laughs> They're so all tuned in for you, Doc. They're all tuned in. Yeah, yeah. So uh, back in Finland, they're opening <clears> – <throat> Europe's largest nuclear atomic plant, you know, nuclear power plant. 
and the continent is split because, you know, the left-wing loonies, they don't want fossil fuel, but they don't want nuclear fuel either. So they want inefficient uh, solar and wind power, <clears throat> which of course cannot meet the needs of, of any society. And my friend across the street who works for GM, he's a, he's a political liaison for GM. He's been there since he was a late teenager in a various number of jobs, including the head of their real estate department at one point. He and I were talking, and um, I don't know if you know, Brian, but I bought a, a Hyundai Ionic 5 all-electric car, which I really love. And he and I were talking and about the future, and we both said, electric cars aren't going to be here that long. There's just no way you can produce enough electricity based on on the technology that uh, that the left wing wants us to employ. You can't do it. You can't meet it even with what we've got in the fossil fuel plants now. So uh, we were both in agreement on that. And I think that eventually, and I think I even heard Elon Musk say this, that hydrogen is probably going to be what we'll go to at some point. But that's a bigger infrastructure than putting in uh, some charging stations. You know, you've got to have specialized, we're back to that hydrogen helium thing. You've got to have specialized tanks because it's it's highly volatile. And unlike gasoline, it doesn't just sit there. You open the tap and it'll come rushing out because it's a gas and it's the lightest gas. So it's, uh, you know, it's gone. And, well, I mean, that could be a new job uh, field, though, Doc. you got to have special people to, to fill the cars, right? Oh, yeah. You'll have to have special stations and special equipment. And it'll be, you know, initially it'll be fairly high demand, I would think, for personnel. Because um, you, you can't have robots doing that, I don't think. I mean, maybe you can, but uh, I would think that you would need somebody to be there and work this for a while at any rate. And you, you want to... Let your machines do as much as possible, but you have to make sure that they're doing it right, and uh, that takes oversight. Oh yeah, for sure. You got you got to be safe with that stuff. And I think, Doc, is it still like New Jersey, still the only state in the in the country where you, you can't fill your cars with gas? Is that still true? You know, I do not know. I do not know. I know at one time, if you were in like the the, the Jersey area, that uh, you only had to go full serve. It was some state rule or something like that. I don't know if that still exists though. I don't know if it does or not. Um, probably because they were afraid that that people like me would come in and get a tank of gas, make Molotov cocktails, and throw it at the governor. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> they don't want that. They don't want Dr. Bill having gasoline in his hands. But I secreted some away, Brian. I got some saved up just in case things get really jiggy out there. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Bill's going to get jiggy with it. Okay, look out. And some Coke bottles left over from the old days. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, that yeah, it's it's a strange world, I'll tell you. At any rate, I think we're going to end up having to go to hydrogen or some other form. But really, nuclear energy is a smart move, and I've said this over and over. But So the Finns are cranking up, and guess who the Finns border? They border Russia. And that's why they have joined NATO, because they are looking at what the Russians have done to uh, uh, Belarus and, and are now doing to the Ukraine. And they're thinking, hmm, I wonder if they're going to start this all over again. You know, the Finns fought the Russians in World War II. Did you know that? Yeah. Mm -hmm. They were, they, although they were not... Uh, a fascist country, they did somewhat align themselves with the uh, Axis, with uh, with Germany and Italy, 
Hey, Doc, we got about 45 seconds left here, so you may need to close out the show. All right, buddy. Well, we'll give a little shout-out for the practice. I'm Dr. Bill, and I'm at 727-384-6411, 727-384-6411. We are a full-service clinic. We've got everything there for you. And uh, we also have telemedicine, and I'm at 6399 38th Avenue North in St. Petersburg, Florida. I even have Canadian patients that call in for telemedicine. So there you go. I'm your international doctor, Bill. You guys have a great week. Brian, thanks for your hard work today, buddy. Hey, you got it, Talk. It was good being with you today. You too. Adios, everybody. For listening to Dr. Bill, your radio MD. Join Dr. Bill every Sunday morning at 9 for more insight, information, provocation, and fun. Dr. Bill Handelman practices in St. Petersburg, Florida at Bay Area Medical Can Care Clinic, 6399 38th Avenue North. For your convenience, telemedicine appointments are available. Call his office today at 727-384-6411. That's 727-384-6411. Or visit his website at CanCare Clinic. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.